God, to worship. God, we've come with an offering. God, we've come with, with praise in our hearts and our lips. God, we've come to give you our, our very best this morning. God, we pray, Lord, that your presence, God, would begin to move in this house. God, that your, your presence, God, would have its divine will in this house today. God, we thank you, God, for another opportunity. God, we thank you for the privilege, God, of worshiping in your presence. God, we love you today. God, we invite your presence, God, to have its way. God, we pray, Lord, that your spirit, God, will begin to move through this house. God, that you would touch every heart. God, that you would touch every mind. God, that you would minister, God, to the needs of your people, God, in this house this morning. God, we pray that your gifts, God, would operate. God, we pray that the gift of faith, God, would operate in this house. God, we pray, God, for your man of God as he brings forth your word this morning. God, let it penetrate our hearts. God, let it break up the fallow ground. God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, that your word this morning, God, would evoke change in our hearts. God, we love you. God, we've come to offer you our very best praise. God, we, we pray that you would just have your way. God, we love you. God, I thank you today. God, I honor you. God, I praise you. I thank you. Lord, there's nobody like you, Jesus. There's nobody like you. There's no presence like the presence of God today. God, I honor you. God, I praise you today. God, I pray, God, that our prayers, God, would, would usher in your presence, God, that they would touch, God, the throne room of heaven, God, that you would have your way. God, that lives and hearts would be changed in this house today. God, that someone would leave differently, God, than what they came. God, we've come with the praise. We've come, God, with purpose. We've come, God, to exalt you and magnify your name today. God, I pray, God, for the backsliders. God, I pray, God, for those, God, that have grown cold in you. God, I pray, God, today, God, that you will begin to draw upon their hearts. God, I pray, God, that conviction, God, would be in this house. God, I pray, God, today, God, that the altars, God, would be full of hungry people, God, seeking your presence. God, help us, God, to give you our very best. God, offer our best today. God, I thank you and I praise you today. God, I honor you. God, I give you worship. I give you the praise, God, that you're worthy of today. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worship with the praise. 
praise team. Praise the Lord, church. Let's just worship the Lord a little bit this morning because he's a good God. And I'm never going to forget what he's done for me.
Chris and Yasmin to come and let us pray with this precious family. They're moving, and uh, today is their last service, I just found out. So I'd like for us just to gather around him and pray with him. We love y'all so much. And they, they started coming during COVID when we were out in the parking lot. And I remember he'd pull up in, in his car over there. It was the first time I think we met was over in that area. We're going to be praying for y'all. San Antonio, right? Okay. Let's just lift our hands this way. Jesus, we're so thankful for this family. God, we ask that you minister and move in their life. Watch over
this place, singing of the goodness of God. Such a beautiful worship song, sung in such a beautiful way. Can we just give a hand clap of praise to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We're talking about you, Jesus. We're talking about you. We love you. We thank you. You deserve all the glory and all of the honor. Wonderful, holy, beautiful King. It's still so good to be part of the family of God, the house of God. It's, you know, because, you know, the church is cool and it's beautiful and everything, but everybody that's in this place is what actually makes up the church. And I know you've heard that before, most likely, but, you know, when you've been hanging around with a group of people for a long time and you worship and you praise and you go through things, you become more than just a group of people that you go and hang out with. You kind of become family. And uh, I heard this morning that one, per one person who's been a part of my family for a very long time, well, well, let's, we, we got to be careful with that. <laughs> it's her birthday today. So, Sister Crutchfield, since you're turning 29 today, <laughs> once you come on over here, we got you something, I think. There she is. It's Wednesday. Sister Crutchman, thank you so much for all that you do and all the years, all the few years that you've done. We surely love you. We thank you. You want the mic to say something about your birthday? I come equipped with ones. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Um, you know, Brother Dave said we've been family for a very long time, and he is right. It is a. It has been a blessed amazing awesome season and i'm just thankful for this church that has loved us through every good bad ugly moment that we've been through and so praise god it is you know the old saying is it's better to be above than below so i'll take it until i receive my reward in jesus name i love you guys Amen. thank you God's good, isn't it? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We've already baptized one today in Jesus' name. That's amazing. In just a moment, Brother Jordan is going to come and just preach the house down to us. But before that, I wanted to ask Sister Tasha. Uh, her children have just so become such a major part of our church for a long while now. And now her... And she got baptized last week. And we're going to ask her to come for just a moment and share her testimony. And, and while she's coming, last week, man, I, I was I was gone. A, a, God had a, a had a mission for us last week, and I hated to be gone. But 16 people were baptized, born of water, in the name of Jesus. At least 14 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that the angels are celebrating. If the angels are celebrating, we should celebrate. Hallelujah. Sister Thompson. Hello, everybody. Sorry, my voice is kind of um, gone from playing with the kids on Saturday. Um, it's going to take me a second to get used to looking at all these faces, and I'm standing up here, but I've kind of gotten used to that helping other addicts. Um, and speaking at conferences and stuff like that, just trying to make sure that everybody finds their way. Um, but when I first started coming here, I was watching everybody up here and I was very hesitant. 
because I I have um, always been a spiritual person, but not to not to a god. Um, I believed in science. What I could see and prove is what I went with, and everything started happening really bad for me. Um, I found drugs at the age of nine. I'm now about to be 32 years old this year, 21 months clean. my husband die in my arms from a drug overdose. Uh, six months later, they, they took my kids from me, left me alone with nothing. So of course I ran right back to drugs because that's what made me feel okay. That's what helped my mental health. There was no such thing as um, counseling for me because I couldn't trust them. Um, they were just out to get me and take what I had left. Um, and even with Miss Duvall, I was skeptical. I, I was an evil person, let's just say that. I was very dark. But watching everybody up here, and I'm like, because like, this a cult. Like, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> so then I kind of just, I let go and let God, like, um, watching and I kept watching and I said, you know what? All them people can't be crazy. <laughs> Everybody in here cannot be crazy. So, um, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been doing drugs for 20 years. Um, even as a child, I mean, I didn't have no guidance. I just did whatever I wanted to. Um, but I didn't believe that there was a God because who would take my husband for me like that, 13 years married and I, I watch him die. What God would let somebody rip my children from my arms? Um, what kind of God would let me continuously do fentanyl and die time after time again and then bring me back to do fentanyl and die again? There had to be a bigger picture and I kept thinking that, like, how did I die all these times and I came back and I'm here, I'm still here and I realized it was because I was here to be a great mother. I was here to help other addicts. I was here to make sure that, that there were people, that when people out there that were like me, that didn't have anybody, that lost everybody, um, had somebody. So here for the past few months, um, I've been counseling. I have been um, sponsoring people. I've been speaking at conferences. I've been with my kids every Wednesday and Saturday. I go to my classes, meetings, everything. And when I step right up here with, uh, what was her name? Um, what, what was the lady's name that spoke? Yes, Dr. Marshall. When I got on the van that day, she turned around and she kept looking at me. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, because I'm not familiar with the religion thing. All I knew was, darn, isn't she supposed to be Hindu? I didn't think that they went outside, because I've worked for Patels for such a long time. I didn't think that they went out of their way um, spiritually. So she grabbed my hand and she said, I like you. I said, well, thanks, I like you too. She said, have you ever had the power of God? I said, no, ma'am, because if I did, I'd have felt it. And um, that little bit of hate that I had burning still down there in my heart, those questions I still needed answers to, 
I thought I needed answers to. Um, she said, I said they would all be answered and I wouldn't worry about it because then I would be in God's hands. She said, you're right, but today you're going to. Still skeptical, still skeptical. And then I turned around and seen how many people had their hands out towards me, yes. Yes. praying for me. Yes. And I don't know none of you. I know none of you, and that's not that's not normal to me. That's not something that I go through. People don't people don't just pray for me. People don't open their hearts and you know put their troubles to the side and and hope that me and my children are okay. So I said okay, and I started to feel it. I started to feel it. She kept telling me to say hallelujah, 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 and I did so. And before I knew it, I was speaking in tongues. Yes. And at that time, I felt a power inside of me that was stronger than any drug I had ever taken. Stronger than any why, who, what, where. Stronger than anything I've ever felt in my whole entire life. And for the first time when I walked out of here, I felt, I felt okay. I knew my husband was in a safe place. I, I opened my heart to the greatness and I was so grateful to Ms. Duvall for the way that she has mothered my children for the past almost two years. She is I realized that God put her in my life yes. for a reason. God, God gave her my children because she was the only one strong enough to take away all the things that I put on my children. And then I watched my children get baptized with me. And the little Mariah, Jojo, she said, Mama, I've been waiting for this. Now, I'm, this is a five-year-old, and I'm wondering how... Um, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't question it. I didn't question it because I already felt what I felt and I knew it was real. And I said, he's been with her this whole time. But to watch them get baptized and take away all, because I drugged them through my addiction with me. So all those sins that I did, they were cast upon them. Little children, and, 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 and I had to be, I'm sorry for that. I'm very sorry for that. And I know that it'll never happen again. But to watch God take all of those things that I did to them from them, Made me love God even more. So if anybody ever says that God ain't real, that you can't catch the Holy Ghost, they're a lie. They are a lie. And if anybody in here is skeptical, like I was for 31 years, you, you need to put that to the side and you need to have faith and just try. Because if you try, God will help you the rest of the way. I promise you he will. I promise you he will. devil's on my shoulder. He is very bad. I'm dealing with a lot of things from the recovery place that I go to, but I'm keeping my head in hell strong, and I'm going to do whatever it is that they need me to do, because I have God. And they can't take me down a path that I've been down before, because to me, drugs don't exist anymore. Only God can make me feel the way that I felt that So like I said, if anybody has the spectacle, don't be. Because it will change your life around. And one week, 
week I've had more blessings and been shown more love by people than I have in 31 years of my life. I finally feel like I'm worth being here for. I finally feel like I can be the mother to my children that I can be because them, them three right there, those are my life. And I can't believe that I ever once ever once thought that God wasn't real. And, and JoJo, that was proof for me. For her to tell me that she's been waiting, a five-year-old has been waiting for her mother to be baptized. God has been in her ear. He's been telling her something that she's not talking about. JoJo is a very secretive person. If her and God are having conversations, nobody else is about to know about it. She's just about to let you know how she feels. But that's, that's definitely the truth. And I appreciate each and every one of you guys for being, opening your arms to me and, you know, being loving and understanding and, and not casting judgment on me. Because I know you guys have seen my kids here for a very long time and I've been not present. Not present. But when I started coming, you guys definitely helped me walk into that path. And there was a reason why I was on that van with Dr. Marshall that morning. There's a reason why I let go of everything that I felt for 31 years and came up here to this front. And I do, I want to thank each and every one of you guys. Very, very say, I didn't believe in God, but now I do. I love that. That's, that's so powerful because not believing in God is, is a powerful and a strong thing. And it's, and it's, and anywhere you go, there's people that are root for that, you know, and, and they'll help you shore that thinking up. Uh, but when you open your heart and mind to the spirit of God and you let him in and let him show you that he is real, it's like, it's, it's, but it's something you can't give to people. It's something you can't force on people. There's got to be a moment in time where everything aligns and God does it. And when God does it, nobody else, nobody can undo it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Tasha, for that testimony. We love your girls very much. And uh, we uh, love all your children there. And, uh, Especially him. That little firecracker right there is one of my favorites. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Children's Church, I just want you to stand. Children, all the children, I want you to stand for me, okay? All the children that are getting ready to go to Children's Church, stand. Okay? Now, I would like all of my Children's Church leaders to stand. If you're a teacher, if you're a helper, if you're any part of our Children's Ministry staff, our Life Kids, I would like you to stand up so people can just kind of see who it is in our uh, church that is helping and handling with our... Can we give our Life Kids staff a hand? Thank you guys so much for all that you do. There's some cool, incredible things happening back there at Life Kids, and uh, I'm so proud of everybody involved. And uh, with that, children's church, you're dismissed. Go on and get out of here. Y'all go have fun. My wife's been talking about all week the things that she has planned for you guys. So I'm excited for you. I'd ask y'all while they're going uh, to pray for me. We, uh, 
This is a quite an interesting time of year for me. We have uh, about 215 fireworks stands getting ready to hit the ground in the next week and a half. And uh, that's about seven and a half thousand, seven and a half million dollars worth of fireworks. They're getting put on trucks right now. And uh, I forgot the code to this iPad. I'm sitting here trying to play it off, but uh, all right, I'm not a good multitasker. I figured it out. But uh, just pray because. Uh, when that much stuff is all happening at one time, that's a lot of stuff happening at one time. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's kind of my own fault. This is actually, you know, the Bible says to despise not the day of small things. Uh, about eight years ago, I got a call from a buddy of mine and uh, he's like, hey man, we're gonna start selling fireworks in Georgia. Would you like to be part of that? I'm like, I don't really know. Maybe, I don't know. And, Somehow he suckered me into signing on the dotted line to start selling fireworks. And uh, eight years later, I'm now selling about seven and a half million dollars worth of fireworks. And, uh, but what I've found is as long as you handle God's business, he'll handle your business. So leading up to this, every time I was like, what am I going to, how is this all going to work out? Me preaching on a Sunday and me trying to get all this stuff done. God's like, it's good, man. We've been here before, same old, same old. You handle my business, I'll handle yours, and everything will work out. One night I said, yeah, it will. He said, all right, then go forth and do your thing. So here we are. I'm here this morning to go forth and do my thing for Jesus, but not just for me and so we can preach, but I, I was really seeking the Lord all week and just like, God, well, you know, what would you want? You know, we have this opportunity to be in front of one another and in this time that we set aside to hear from God. You know, this is... If, if, if you've been around long enough, you know that this is the time where we stop and we say, I'm going to try to really just stop life for a few moments of my week and I'm going to listen and I'm going to just let God speak to me. And that's how I look at this. So I don't, I don't want to take this lightly and I don't want to, I don't want to say things out of line to, to give God a bad rap, you know. And so I truly have been seeking after the power of God this week for what we would talk about here this morning. And so as we speak, just know it's, it is my heart that you receive the things that I believe that God would have us to share here this morning. I do give honor to my pastor and his, his, his wife, the other ministers, my family. My two sons, one here, one in the back. My wife back there hanging with the kids. Love you guys a lot. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, whoops, I better read from the screen because I got the NIV on my iPad. <laughs> and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a man of the religious law who is questioning Jesus here. Next scripture says, what is written in the law? How readest thou? He basically, it's like, you know what the law says. What do you think the law means? What do you think the Bible says about being saved? And he answered and said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. He goes on to say, and he said unto him, thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. 
This do, and thou shalt live. What must I do to be saved? Is basically what he's saying. I want everlasting life. I want to go to heaven. What do I got to do? Isn't that the question that we got here today? Isn't that kind of like why we're here? We want to get to heaven. We don't want to go to hell. Whatever our angle is, right? So we are seeking and, and pursuing after the Spirit of God. And we're saying, what do I got to do, God? I want to get to heaven. And this man asked him and he said, do this and you shall live. So today I just want to talk for a few minutes on do this and you shall live. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and thank you for everything you're doing and how you're doing it. I pray in the name of Jesus that you bless this time that we're here together and that you would speak directly through me to the ears that need to hear. Help us, God, to receive it, Lord, and live it so that we, in Jesus' name, can live with you in eternity in heaven. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Do these things and you shall live. 1997, we're taking it way back. I graduated high school and I joined the army and they plopped me down here at Fort Stewart. I was hoping that this was going to be the change that I needed in my life, but I was quickly disappointed that I was again falling into destructive patterns. Growing up watching failure and failure all around me, I feared that I was going to be going down the same path. You know, as a kid, you mess up, you mess up, you mess up. But then there comes a time when you start becoming an adult where like, you start realizing that this isn't like a kid thing anymore. Like, you start looking around, you start realizing, man, is this, like, who I'm going to be becoming? And then you start looking around like my dad was just not around because of alcoholism and other things. And I was like, that's going to be me. And it freaked me out. And, 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 I, and I had, I, had I, I called out from a deep place within my soul to any spiritual force that would listen to me. Because me doing it on my own to this point had done nothing but get me worse. I begged for help to get me on a better, more productive path. And within a day, I was invited to attend a revival service here in the local area. I was all the things by the end of this service. God had showed up in that service and showed me without a doubt that he was real. Without a doubt, I was stunned, floored, blown away. I was all the things. But they were all positive. I was... I was kind of almost like high. It was such a flow of just, wow. It was incredible. It was amazing. And it wasn't going away. It was like just pulsing through me. I'm like, this is so incredible. This is so, I have hope. I, there's just, it's just it's all these wonderful things. And as I was, I went home, I got to my barracks room, and, I, and I'm just thinking about it, thinking about it. And then this, this hit, this thought hit me like a train. Heaven is real. And I was just like, oh, heaven is real. That means I'm going to go to heaven. But this thought hit me like a train. If heaven is real, that means hell is real. And it was like a punch to my stomach. I was like, ooh, ooh, if heaven is real and hell is real, I got to make sure that I don't go to hell. And I got to make sure I do get to heaven. Right? It's very simple. It's a very, just as simple. But that's, I'm kind of a simple guy. You know, I, I may be a little extroverted and all over the place, but when you get down to my core, I'm really kind of a simple guy. I got three suits, a gray, a black, and a blue. All right? I got two pairs of dress shoes, brown and black. I got two belts, brown and black. You know, I try to keep things simple. 
You know what I'm saying? I just, it, the, the, the simpler things are, the, the easier it is for my life to stay in the groove that I gotta go. I don't wanna go to hell, and I do wanna get to heaven. How am I gonna accomplish this mission? And that is what I began to do as a young man who know nothing about the scriptures, who never really went to church worth anything to talk about. I became my mission to figure out how to get to heaven. I didn't know anything about the Bible, so all I had, you know, if anybody, you know, the first thing somebody did is put a King James Version of my Bible that they bought from the Dollar General for five dollars. They said, here, read this. Bruh. I mean, I don't know how, you, how many of y'all started in the middle of your life trying to figure out how to read King James, King James's. Start with the book of Leviticus. That'll set you straight. I was rough. I, you know, I didn't understand every fourth word. I'm like, what? What? You know, but I understood that this was, I, I really felt like this was the path and this was the way and this was the Bible and this, I really felt God had been plopped that in my hands and said, here you go. Good luck. And so, of course, I'm going to church and I'm like, well, what do you, what does this mean? And what am I supposed to do here? What, what do you think about this? And then, then at work, I had people who were spiritual, religious people. And I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And what, what do you, th what does this say? What do you think this means? And just questions and questions and questions because I really didn't feel like I had a lot of time to figure this out. I mean, tomorrow I could get run over by a motorcycle gang and, you know, that'd be it. You know, I mean, gotta, I got to get this heaven thing down quickly. Because I don't want to go to hell, right? So I wasn't playing. I wasn't trying to figure out the truth just to prove people wrong. I was trying to figure out what the Bible said about me getting to heaven. Because it's what God gave me to get there. And everybody else around me seemed to know. So I was asking. I was so blown away at how many people don't actually know what they're talking about. Don't even know what they're doing or why they're doing it. I would ask questions and they'd be like, well, this is this. I'm like, okay. And I'd pull up the Bible and I'd say, where, is it, where does it say that? Not where does it say it like I'm trying to prove them wrong. I'm trying, where does it say it because the, God gave me this. And this is how you're going to get to heaven. So if you're saying there's a way to get to heaven, it should be in here. And I should be able to understand it. And I should be able to live it. And it's just amazing how many people be like, oh, well, you know, my dad told me that da 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 My family's always believed that da, da da I was like, well, that's cool. What's the Bible say about it? What's the Bible say about it? I'll tell you what I'm tr I truly confused and, and really concerns me even to this day is how many people walk around being okay with not really understanding what the Bible says about their salvation. Truly blows me away that people walk in and out of churches all over this country and don't even really know what they believe. If we get called into an account someday about what we're actually doing and why we're doing it, I'm wondering how many people will have anything to say at all. I just don't want that to be me, okay? I can't project that on people. I can't be judgmental about people, but it is kind of shocking and concerning to me that other people don't have this sense of urgency about it as I did in the beginning. But yeah, I have to truly understand too that I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised into a religious family to believe certain things. And so I didn't have any of these strong traditional things that I had to break free from. I just wanted to get to heaven and I wanted to know what the Bible said about it. Whew. The Bible talks about this one guy. 
the one we just read about. He had a front row seat to Jesus himself. So instead of walking around and asking everybody else, he walked straight up to Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus. <clears throat> so how do I get to heaven? Now, wouldn't that be great? Like if we could just have Jesus sitting here, we walk up, we sit down beside him. He puts his arm around and says, what, what do you want to know, Dave? We're like, well, what does this scripture actually mean right here? It has always confused me. He's like, well, the reason that's in there is that you can blah, 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 blah. And you go out and you're like, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Because what that other guy told me, woo. I'm just joking. Jesus answered and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. So it doesn't seem like it, 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 that's that complicated. Love the Lord with all that you are and love people. Simple. Goodbye. <laughs> no. But I guess, you know, it, it seems simple, but we got to figure out what that means, right? we gotta, we got to flesh that out a little bit because we can't just be like, Lord, I love you. And then, boom, we got wings. You know, and then, no, you can't touch me. I said I love God. You know, so we know that there's a little something to that. The scriptures say in John 14 and 15, if you love me, okay, love me and you get to go to heaven. But if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, okay, things are starting to come clear. So I can't just proclaim my love with my mouth. I actually have to do some things. There's some requirements of me. And he, the scriptures say, Jesus out of his own mouth, say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I need you to hold on here for just a second. I'm going to take us on a little journey, and I'm going to come back to where we are, and maybe it'll make a little bit of sense. Maybe not, because sometimes it just don't make sense. But when Jesus died on the cross, okay, he rose again on the third day, and when he rose again, he walked around his, with his disciples for quite some time. About 40 days, I think, 30, 40 days. And when it came time for him to go back into heaven, to, to be carried away into the heavens, as the scripture says, the last thing that he said to the disciples is this. The last words that he spoke to the disciples before he ascended into heaven was, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. So these are the last things he tells his people. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the last thing he asks them or tells them that they're supposed to do is to go to Jerusalem and wait for the power. Because they love him, they go. Because they love him, they go. Now, not everyone goes. Not everyone that was hanging out with Jesus during his ministry went. What does that mean? I don't know. But the Bible said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the last thing he told her to do was go to Jerusalem. So we might could do a head count that day. Just saying. This was such an event on that day. Luke 24 and 49 says to go and wait. He blessed them. And then you fast forward to the disciples in Jerusalem. And there they are. A lot of us have heard the story. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord, and the power of God fell, and they all began to speak with tongues. And it was such a boisterous, enthusiastic, extroverted event that all the people that were in the city during
during that time, which was a bunch of them, from a bunch of different lands, speaking a bunch of different languages, they heard this group of people speaking in tongues, and they were flabbergasted because they were hearing them speak in their own language, and they could, they could understand what they were saying. This was a massive spiritual event that is happening in the middle of this town, and everybody stops what they're doing, whether they're buying a hot dog or a gyro, or they're buying some new television. They stop what they were doing, they turn around and they say, what is going on here? So everybody gathers around this crazy bunch of folks who are just, you know, whatever, power of God moving. And they begin to doubt and they begin to murmur and they begin to question. Then Peter stands up to address the first congregational Holy Spirit in filling church. I don't know, sometimes you go to see those churches and they're like the first church of the back door situation of the... I knew that wasn't going to go over. <laughs> Peter stands up and he begins to preach the first message of the modern day church. The first time that God has addressed humanity since he has ascended into heaven, he does it through Peter. Pretty cool honor. Can't get stuck on that though. So Peter stands up and he begins to speak. And I love when you read through the book. The second chapter of Acts when he's speaking, there is a long oratory that he does. But as you think about it, it's probably very important that he does. But he begins to run through history about the history of the Jews and the prophecies of Jesus. And then he begins to talk about current events. So basically what he's doing is he's making sure that everyone in this place knows that he knows what he's talking about and he's speaking with authority so they better stand up and listen. So just when he said every little thing that he needs to say so that everyone will get on their tippy toes and listen, he drops the bomb. He says, Acts 2 and 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel assuredly know that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and and Christ. The moment where God has taken just speaking to them and has placed something in their hands and said, you have done this, now it's in your hands. And so the guilt and the condemnation, the confusion and all the things were going on in the heads of all the people. And they said with the one voice, what shall we do? We have crucified the king. We have killed the man who Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And Peter, Peter said unto the rest of the apostles, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Again, someone asking the question, What do we do now? I know I've messed up. I know hell might be my home right now. How do I make heaven my home? Then Peter said unto them, repent. First step, right? When we mess up, there's a pathway to reconciliation, to get it back right again. And the first step is repenting. We have to acknowledge the thing that we have done. We have to make sure we understand that we are the one at fault in this particular situation, 
and we are sorry about that, and we don't, we feel condemned about that, and we feel, we feel all the bad things that we need to feel about it, and we will never do it again. Repent is the first word. The first commandment out of Peter's mouth is repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the first words that come out of the first preacher's mouth, once God's Spirit has ascended into heaven and poured it upon men, is repent, be baptized, and you're going to get the Spirit of God. People get really kind of judgmental about the United Pentecostal Church or any apostolic churches that bring up Acts 2.38 so much. But, I mean, bruh, it's the first message that was preached in the modern day church. Shouldn't it be something we preach and teach and understand and live? And if we're not, shouldn't we continue to say it over and over and over it's just such a, I'm so glad it made it simple, God made it simple and plain that day. Repent, be baptized, and you're going to get the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. That's what we need. That's what I need anyway. So we're given some instructions to follow the first message of the first church. They And they did. They responded. They repented. They got baptized. And the Bible says that there was added unto them like 3,000 people that day. So 3,000 people truly loved God. They followed His commandments and they were repented, got baptized, and were filled with the Spirit. Whew. Goodness. So, receiving the Spirit of God is important. We got to have that. And the reason we got to have that is once we repent and once we get baptized, there's other things in the Scriptures that God is needing to teach us and needing to show us in ways that we need to bring upon ourselves. But the Bible says in John 16 and 13, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So when we receive God's spirit into our life, we now have the opportunity to be led by his spirit through a pathway of truths that he will reveal to us over time as we study, as we learn, and as we live, and as we stay part of the body of Christ. That's why the spirit of God is so important. So, Jesus said, do these things and live. I told you I was coming back. Do these things and live. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind, first and foremost. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So, we got the first part covered, right? We're going to follow the commandments of God. That's, that's how we know we love God and we're fulfilling the first part of getting to heaven. We're fulfilling his commandments. We're following up the scriptures. The second part, and this is where, this is where the Lord really was pushing me all week to speak about in some way, shape, or form. And uh, so here we go. Loving your neighbor as yourself is the second part of this. I have found this one to be the most consistently challenging for myself and others around me. The me and God part I got down. I ain't got no problems with God. Because God don't cause me no problems. You know what I'm saying? The only problem I got with God is sometimes he's a little bit like mystical. You know what I mean? Like 
I ask them a question and it takes them two years to answer through a series of events. You know, at the end of two years, I'm like, man, that was a pretty long lesson there, buddy. Couldn't you just told me? I ain't got nothing against them because I understand that I'm hard-headed and it took two, God knows exactly what it takes for me to get a lesson. There's lessons, there's, I, you know, they, there's things I don't understand about God and, and, and the whole deal. Uh, and, and so what I always said in the beginning was, all these questions I have about God that I can't answer right now, I just put them on the back burner. But let me tell y'all, this ain't no regular four, four position stove. Like, I've got like an industrial kitchen where like the whole kitchen's full of back burners. Because I'm still trying to figure out a whole bunch of stuff about this whole God thing. But I figured out enough to feel confident that if I can do a few things, I can make it to heaven. One of them is loving with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second of it is stay in the fight and stay in the battle to love people. Look, I've met people who have this whole religious thing down. Don't get it twisted, okay? Our sight, our eyes are probably the most deceptive situation that we have. Because you, you know, you look out on everybody and you, if you don't know nobody, you can try to place your, I say judgment, but that's not what I'm getting at. Your descriptive narrative of that person, right? What do you think about this person based on what you see? And maybe the few interactions that you have with that person, right? That's, we, that's all we got. But I've, I've known people that walk around and they've got it. I mean, if you wrote them out, you'd be like, why, are they, why aren't they wearing wings? You know what I'm saying? They, they, but then you get to know them and, and they, just, they just got some problems dealing with people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they can pray and sing and they can dress whatever and kind of, but then you, you're like, ouch. You just hear sometimes the things they say out of their mouth and the way they sing them about people and you're just like, it's like, it's like some of those foods that don't go good together, like tomatoes and taffy. You know, I mean, you put it in your mouth, like, there's something not right about this combination. And I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. Thank God he did not allow any. I was just like, thank you, Lord, for not allowing like any, any people's faces to come to me. Because I was going to tell Brother Steve, I was like, Brother Steve, when we go in there, I need to turn the lights down all the way. I don't want to look at people because I don't want people thinking I'm talking about them. Look, but hey, I know I'm like that sometimes. I know things come out of my mouth, and the minute they come out of my mouth, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I was not the best side of me coming out there. And I tried to clean it up real quick. There's only one way to clean it up, and that's to say I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Because, bro, we look, it's not easy dealing with people, right? It's not easy. It's not easy. But, but guess what? None of us are done yet. None of us, none of us has finished our course. God's still working on all of us. So it's not going to be easy interacting with people. There are going to be some challenges and situations that we face when it comes to dealing with people that we're just going to have to dig in and figure it out. John 13 and 35 says, By this you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
So other people will know not by the way you dress. Other people will know not by the way you walk. Other people will know not by the way you talk. But other people will know that you are God's disciples if you love one another. And I'm not talking about the I see you on a Sunday and give you the hug. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. See you later. How you doing? You're our little two-minute facade that we put up for one another so that everybody thinks everything is cool. I'm talking about when we walk out these church doors. I'm talking about when we get up in our cars. I'm talking about when we get up in our homes. We get up on the text messages or the instant messages or whatever. TikTokagram or something is out there to do our communicate. That's what I'm talking about. They will know that we are disciples by our love for one another. Look, we got to hug each other's necks when we see each other. We gotta say praise the Lord. We got, you know, we gotta be cordial and, and you know, but it doesn't need to stop there, Amen. right? It doesn't need to stop there. It needs to continue on. It needs to flow into the whole situation. Look, dealing with people isn't always easy. This ain't heaven. God's still working on us. We're gonna be confronted with situations that will not be clear cut. We're gonna deal with situations that just don't have easy solutions when it deals with people, right? If it were always easy to fix a people problem, we wouldn't have people problems, right? I mean, if I walk by Brother Fowler and he's got his Bible on his lap because he's following along, make sure I don't read the scriptures wrong and say something crazy, keep me on my toes. And I, and I bonk into his Bible and knock it on the floor, right? Accident. I move a little too fast for my feet sometimes. Well, he gets angry at me. He's like, bruh, why you, you know, you didn't see me sitting here with my Bible. I've been here for like 30 minutes in the same spot. I mean, all I got to do is pick up the Bible and say, hey, Brother Fowler, I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't need to do that. Amen. He's like, that's okay, brother. He gives me a hug. God's good, you know. Amen. And I go dancing down the aisle down to the children's wing to figure out what craziness is stuck to the roof back there. But it don't go like that, right? All the time. It ain't that easy. Sometimes it's hard to apologize. He knows I didn't mean to bump into him. Why has he got his eyebrows all crinkled up? And it starts this thing, right? Like this thing starts just cooking. And like, I'm just moving on, man. What? Why has he got his Bible out there like that, man? Didn't he see me walking? You know, I mean, it just could get, get crazy quick. You know? And so we've got, and, and sometimes it, it goes beyond the Bible and it goes to like all these other things that may not be resolved. Maybe Brother Fowler said something in the meeting the other day. This didn't happen. I'm just making this up off the top of my head. Just got to, I'm trying not to create any other things, you know? He said something crazy in that meeting and it got me feeling a certain way, but I didn't say nothing about it, but the certain kind of way it didn't go away. You know what I'm saying? But then I bump into his Bible and that certain kind of way that I felt came back up. Had nothing to do with the Bible. Had everything to do with what happened in that meeting. And I let it fester and I let it get out of control. And now all of a sudden me and Brother Fowler don't like each other, but we act like we do. Oh, Brother, I love you. Hey, Bye-bye, Jesus. Man, that brother right there, I'll tell you what. Bible always in the aisle. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Sometimes this thing can get out of control. And that's fine. It's going it, to natural for situations with people to get out of control. It is natural. That is the way of things. But we are not in this way. We are in a different way. Amen. 
We are in a higher way. And so when these things happen, we have to have the appropriate response. Let me not get ahead of myself. We got to be willing to do the hard things to make sure that we are both right with God and those around us. John 8 and 1. John 8 and 1. Jesus went to the Mount Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and he taught them. So here's Jesus. Everybody's sitting around. He's teaching. Everything's cool. And then the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees, brought unto him a woman who was taken in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. What? Never mind. Let's move on. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. The law, the rules say she should be stoned. They said this tempting him that they might have to have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, he that's without sin cast you the first stone. And again he stopped down and he started writing and they which heard being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman was steadfast with him and when Jesus lifted up himself he saw none but the woman and he said unto the woman where are thine accusers hath no man condemned thee she said no man Lord and Jesus said unto her neither do I go and sin no more Mm -hmm. I love this scripture. I love this story. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it. There's just so much to say about the scripture. It was unfortunate that I was three quarters of the way done with my message by the time I got here because there was no way I could say all the things I wanted to say about the scripture. Prayer must be the first place that we take any personal confrontation okay it's pretty fitting since we're on the backside of one of the coolest awesomest prayer conferences that have ever existed in the history of the United States here in life prayer must be the first place we go when we encounter a situation that is difficult to solve with other people Jesus is able to work things out in prayer that can never be done in a conversation with the person or any way else. No counseling, no, none of the self-help books can do what Jesus can do in a conversation of prayer. When the adulterous woman was brought to Jesus to be stoned, they set her at his, they set her at his feet. They were seething. They were ready to stone her because that's what the law said to do. These religious leaders were waiting to see how Jesus was going to handle this. The healer was going to handle this. The forgiver of sins was going to handle this. The law says this. What are you going to do about it? And Jesus just stooped down and started writing in the sand. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us what he wrote in the sand. And there's lots of speculation all over the place. Uh, we had a conversation going in the um, Life Kids thread. Sister Banks put it out there this week. What do you think Jesus wrote in the sand? And, uh, you know, we're just, you know, chirping at it, just throwing some stuff out there. Actually, I didn't comment, but I was thinking things. 
because um, it got my mind to spinning. What did Jesus write in the stand? It really doesn't matter what he wrote in the stand. Because it doesn't even say that they looked at what he was writing. He said, you without sin cast the first stone. And their conscience, each of their consciences, they started doing some self-reflection. Am I worthy to bring this young lady to be stoned? Have I done anything worthy of being stoned in my life? And I believe because they came to Jesus, Jesus brought that up to their mind. I bet he made that within, with no shadow of a doubt. When they brought that woman to his feet, he spiritually, miraculously brought those memories up to, up to their mind and said, you without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. When the matter was brought to Jesus, Jesus changed some perspectives. When the situation was placed at Jesus' feet, the person who placed it at Jesus' feet, their mind was changed. God put some new thoughts and directions in their life, and it was nothing like they thought it was going to be. We don't go to God for confirmation about the things that we want. We go to God so God will change our thoughts. Change them to be like His thoughts. We want to be like Jesus. We want to think like Jesus. We want to do the things that Jesus would do. But the only way we're going to do that is put these situations at the feet of Jesus and say, what would you do? And he didn't tell them what he would do. He just said, well, what are you doing? <clears throat> What's really interesting to me, too, is if from the eldest to the youngest, from the eldest to the youngest, they left. And, and I got some things to think about that, you know. There are more young, and, and I've, I've been here now 25 years at life. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of people come and stay. Young folks that are on fire, boy, they're quick to cut you. They're quick to cut you, boy. But, but in a, like a preacher kind of way. Like they'll just throw it down, you know. They'll, they'll just tell it like it is, you know. They, they'll just slice and dice and and everybody walks away like, oof, just feeling beat up, you know, with the young preachers, you know, but when, you, when you've been around for a minute, and you've seen a whole bunch of highs, and you've seen a whole lot of lows, and you see a lot of people go, and you see a few people stay, you get to be a little bit of careful how, many, how you go around throwing stones, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody's trying to make it to heaven, and we need each other to do it. And what we don't need to be doing is coming in church dodging rocks. You know what I'm saying? We need to be coming. We need to be coming in bandaging each other's wounds. You know what I'm saying? We need to be coming in here and encouraging one another and strengthening one another because it's hard out there. And people are just ruthless and mean and angry, and, and they hate Christianity, and they'll do anything they can to not just tear down Christianity, but tear down us because we proclaim it. We need each other. We need each other. They brought the problem to the feet of Jesus, feeling a certain way about it, and he was able to change their perspective from judgment to grace. It's funny how when your sins get called out, you all of a sudden have forgiveness and grace for another person. You know? We forget sometimes that we ain't perfect. And we're quick to jump down somebody's tail or somebody's throat or just totally jump all over somebody's situation with how we feel about it. Because nobody knows about our situation. <laughs> Lord help us. 
the cool the last thing about this that really, 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 really I enjoy about this story is they brought this woman to be condemned at the feet of Jesus and they were looking for him to say yes, it's according to the law, stoner, that's it. You know. But he didn't. And they were condemned and went away. And the better part of me wants to believe that they went away better because they acknowledged that they had some, their own sins in their life and they were able to go work on themselves instead of worry about somebody else. But the second part about this that I really, really like is that Jesus turns to this woman who was drugged to his feet. She, she was nowhere near Jesus before this, okay? But because of the actions of these religious zealots, she's brought to the feet of Jesus. Her sin is acknowledged, it's called out, but then it's forgiven. And she walks away free. She walks away whole. When yesterday she had no... So sometimes when we feel a certain kind of way about somebody or a situation, and we bring it to the feet of Jesus, not only do we get revelations about how we should be acting, but the person who we bring to the feet of Jesus gets blessed too. It's a twofer. I know it's getting long. I'm, 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 I'm running down the runway right now. I'm closing it down because this is what I come to do. This, this is why I'm here. I, I, I hope and I think, because we live by faith, not by sight. And, you know, I can only grab and grab a hold and just believe with all my heart that this is why I'm here. I am here to challenge the church. It's me and everybody else. If we got odd with one another, if we got a problem with somebody for some reason, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If we do not forgive, we cannot be forgiven. The scripture says, for if you give it, forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Trying to keep it simple here. We can get all theology and break down words and, you know, talk about what the Greek or the Hebrew means about forgive. But the bottom line is we all know if we got something going on in our heart and we are refusing to deal with it and we're just holding on to that hate, you, my friend, are in trouble. I'm not trying to judge. I'm trying to take this opportunity. This ain't comfortable for me, okay? I don't like doing this, but this I couldn't shake it. I was like, Lord, can we do something else? He's like, nope, 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 nope. Here you go. And I didn't have time to even write up a second sermon this week. It's just been too crazy. I said, well, one, two, three, here we go. If you have ought in your heart right now, this whole, everything I've been blah, blah, blah about, at least this moment right here, we're going to sing, we're going to create an atmosphere of worship and prayer. And if you decide to accept this moment that God is offering you, this atmosphere where you can get things fixed, then you can walk out of here fulfilling both sides of it. Loving the, loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving others as yourself. And we'll all be able to go to heaven together. Mr. T said it plain. I pity the fool who don't accept this opportunity.
I know, I know that's kind of funny, but there's someone in here, and I don't know who, thank God, he didn't show me because I, I'm such a blabbermouth, I can't keep that to myself. Someone in here is dealing with this in such a strong way that he will not let me get off of it. And he's just using me like a puppeteer. He's just trying to hit it every just which way he can have me to hit it. So that you understand that God is concerned about you. And he's concerned about the state in which you are allowing yourself to sit with the situation that you have the next step in your hand to do. And you have not and you will not. But you can. And this opportunity is for you. Living for God is an interesting thing. We have to manage the things we see and we're responsible for on a daily situation. But the Spirit is always calling us to the supernatural side of life. And I'm so thankful that we have a place here where we become we can open up our hearts and minds to God and say, look, it's been a busy week, God. And I need you. I need you, God. I don't have to understand, God, what you're doing. I don't have to be able to articulate it in my mind. But God, I need you. I just need your presence to saturate my situation. I need your presence to saturate my body. I need your presence to saturate my mind. I need you to fully envelope me. God, I pray against any distraction that would cause me to try to be thinking about anything else other than what you'd have me to do here. God, I declare spiritual war right now in this place. I come against the enemy, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would place angels around the walls of this place and protect it from interference and distraction. And I pray that you would give us the faith and confidence to be able to find a place in prayer, God, where we can lay our situations out to you, where we can lay our things at your feet, God, so you can reach into our minds and hearts, God, and work a miracle. God, just do things I can't even think of inside of me. Lord, I open myself up fully. I open myself up all the way. I open every door to my heart. I open up every window to my soul. God, I ask you, Lord, to
so he can do the things that he does. We believe in you, God. We believe in you, God. We love you, and we want more of you, God. We want more of you in our life, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, my King. Oh, thank you, my King. Worthy is your name, God. We lift you up on high, God. We lift you up on high in this place, God. Have your way, my King. Have your way, my King. Have your way in our hearts and minds, God. Cleanse us and purge us, Lord, of any hindrances, God.
Christian Wallace is going to be baptized this morning. We're so thankful. It's a big step in a young man's life. Amen. Let's just, we're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. We're just going to pray a prayer of repentance. And we're just going to ask that God will fill him with the Holy Ghost when he comes up out of the water. So Christian, is what, is what we're going to do. We're just going to pray a simple prayer. Pray your prayer, okay? Don't pray what I pray. Make it yours, okay? God, we love you today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your, for your mercy and for your grace. God, I pray today, God, for sin in my life. God, the things, God, that no one knows about. God, I pray that you would forgive me. God, I pray that you would cleanse my heart, cleanse my mind. God, I've decided to follow you. This is going to be a new path, a new, a new step in my future. God, I pray. God, I'm thankful that my sins are going to be gone forever in the sea of forgetfulness. God, I love you and I thank you. Christian Wallace, upon the confession of your faith and obedience to the Word of God, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins.
June 25th, the 11 a.m. service, we're going to do baby dedication. So um, make sure you get signed up for that if you need to have your baby dedicated. Amen. Again, if it's your first time here, so happy that you've come out today to worship with us. Amen. As you're coming to give, let's ask the Lord just to have his way and you can be dismissed. God, we love you today. We thank you, God, for your presence, God, that we felt. We thank you, God, for the for the two souls that were baptized in the name of Jesus today, had their sins washed away. We thank you for your word today, God. We thank you for, for every family, God, for every household, God, that was represented. We thank you, God, for your blessings. We ask, God, that you would be with us, God, as we go and as we come again to your house on Tuesday night. God, we love you. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Be dismissed.